Welcome to this week's virtual drasha. And in this week's parsha, parsha Sisro, we have the incredible privilege to read of so many moving and gripping stories and accounts. Of course, we see the reunification of Moshe Rabbeinu's family, Yisro, bringing Tzipporah, Moshe's two boys, the family that has been apart for so long. Baruch Hashem experiences a beautiful, a beautiful familial reunification. Yisro, of course, giving Moshe Rabbeinu advice about how to set up a greater system of efficiency, judicial efficiency, so that Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't end up running himself into the ground while trying to shepherd his flock. But of course, the center stage of Parshas Yisro is the Aseris Adibros, Sanaitic revelation, the event that Moshe Rabbeinu has told Klal Yisrael about from his first encounter with them while they were still slaves in Egypt. Because Moshe Rabbeinu tried to prepare them that the Exodus, leaving Mitzrayim, was not an ends. Freedom by itself in Yiddishkeit does not have a value. There's no value to freedom. Freedom is only meaningful if it's used to self-actualize and to accomplish something greater. So the only reason to be emancipated from the servitude of Egypt was so that Klal Yisrael could go to Har Sinai, stand at the base of Mount Sinai, say Na'asev and Ishma, proclaim their undying allegiance and fidelity to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to the Torah Mitzvahs, that's when freedom becomes meaningful. When you use your newfound freedom to accomplish something great, then freedom takes on a higher value than servitude. And as we go through the Aseris HaDibros, I think we would both agree, although it's sometimes a little bit hard to be impartial with this, that most of them seem to really make, I apologize for using this word, but they make sense to us. I understand proclaiming my allegiance to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I understand that I can't worship other gods. I understand, we're not going to go through all ten, but I understand the concept of Shabbos as a way of taking a break from my creative activity to proclaim HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the ongoing creator. I understand honoring my parents. I understand not killing. I understand not stealing. Again, I understand a lot of these things because if we look at them, most of them are basic and fundamental building blocks of ethics, of morality. Now, of course, we do them because HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded us to do them, not because they appeal to our sense of intellect or to our understanding. The whole idea of Na'asev and Ishma is, the, the miracle of Na'asev and Ishma is the ability of man to set aside his intellect and to pledge his allegiance to HaKadosh Baruch Hu with his heart, not with his mind. I don't even know what you're going to tell me. I don't even know what's written inside of it, but whatever it is, I'm in. So my commitment to the Aseris Adibros, even though they, many of them do actually appeal to our basic innate sensitivities, but we accept them and we pledge ourselves to them because HaKadosh Baruch Hu asked us to do so. But I want to draw your attention to the Dibra that I've always found incredibly challenging. And I think many of you will agree with me, which is the last of the ten. Lo sachmod. Lo sachmod. Do not covet. The Torah says this is in Parakhof, Pasuk Yedala, chapter 20, verse 14. Lo sachmod beis reyecha. Lo sachmod ishes reyecha. Va'avdo va'amaso v'sharo v'chamaro v'chala sheh l'reyecha. Do not covet the house of your friend. Do not covet the wife of your friend, his servant, his maidservant, his ox, his donkey, and everything that he owns. Now, I just want to point out something fascinating. Look how many words the Torah attaches to this particular commandment, right? Remember, again, Torah could have just said, don't covet. Well, I got it. I understand. Don't be jealous. Don't covet what someone else has. 
But that's not what the Torah says. The Torah says, don't covet. And by the way, if you're not sure what I mean, don't covet your friend's wife. Don't covet your friend's house. Don't covet your friend's maidservant, servant, his ox, his donkey. And by the way, anything else, anything else. So why does the Torah go into such specificity with this? So I think the simple pshat is, because the Baruch understood that this is a challenge. Because he understood that it's natural for me to walk outside, out of my home, to see what my friend has and say, ah, sheesh, you know, why, why, don't, why don't I have that? However, that? however that sentence ends, you know, I work harder than him, I'm smarter than him, I'm better than him, whatever that means, I deserve it more than him. Sechlesh Baruch Hu understood that this was a challenge. That's why the Torah doesn't just say lo sachmod, don't covet, even though, again, I would think, I think we would all agree, we understand that if the Torah just says don't covet, it applies to everything my friend has, but no, his house, his wife, his servant, his ox, his donkey, and by the way, anything else that's not included in this verse. So what's the message? What's the message? Obviously, the message is don't covet. But what is the deeper hashkafek meaning that HaKadosh Baruch was trying to convey to us? I'd like to share with you three short approaches. The Pasha Pshat, the simple approach behind Lo Sachmot, behind not coveting, is to find contentment with what you have. Meaning, there is no person who has everything in life. Everyone is missing something. You could choose the richest person in the world. There's something they don't possess. Now, maybe for the richest person in the world, the thing they don't possess is not a tangible item because they could buy every tangible item. Maybe it's an intangible. Maybe they want more covet. They want more honor. Maybe they want more love. Whatever it might be, everyone has something that they lack. And it's not just in the world. So again, whether it's in the world of materialism, in the world of emotion, in the world of self-fulfillment, we're all missing something. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells us Lo Sachmot, Lo Sachmot means in life a person has a choice each and every day. Am I going to focus on the things that I lack or am I going to focus on the things that I have? So when I wake up in the morning, you ask me, what am I lacking? I could give you a list. They didn't even start. I could give you a list of things that are missing from my life. A list. And by the way, a legitimate list. I don't mean like foolish things, silly things. I mean real things that are missing from my life. I could give you a list. But the shayla is, is that how you want to live? The question is, is that what you want your orientation to be? Do you want the focus of your life to be what you lack? Or do you want the focus of your life to be what you possess? See, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells us, Lo Sachmod, it could be that Ruvain, my neighbor, has better stuff than me in, in every single area. But am I going to focus on what he has? Or am I going to focus on what I have? And I know sometimes, this is not a chiddish, this is not a novel idea to any of you, but sometimes we forget this idea. Often when confronted with challenges or with deficiencies or with things, quote-unquote, that we lack, we become so hyper-focused on those things that they obliterate everything else in our lives. We totally lose a sense of balance that when there's a problem, the problem becomes the be-all, end-all of my existence. And if I'm in the middle of that problem and you ask me how life is, terrible, horrible, I can't believe it. But, but one second, the problem is one piece of your life. There's a whole bunch of other pieces as well. Losachmod, do not covet, teaches us to be the kind of people who focus on what we have and not what we lack. And this is true in the midst of a pandemic. You know, we're going on a year now 
in this pandemic. And it's, I, 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 to say that we have pandemic fatigue and that we're tired and overwhelmed, it, it's very true. But I think we also have to kind of take stock and take a step back and make sure that we don't lose sight of all the things we have. It's true, we're deprived of many things. Our shuls don't operate in a normal way. Our learning, many of our shiurim are impacted. Some of us, our families haven't been able to get together. Purim is just a few weeks away. And again, everybody's wondering what's gonna happen, Purim. What's gonna happen? I wanna have my family, I wanna have my friends. Pesach is a month after that, not to get anyone nervous. Again, what's gonna happen? And it's true, these, these are issues. These are challenges. And there have been people who have been in isolation for months and months and months. And it's easy to see your problem and to develop tunnel vision and to blot out everything else. All I see is what's broken. Don't do that. Make sure to have contextual balance. Make sure that you not only focus on what is broken, what is missing, what is deficient, but also what is good, what is beautiful, what is meaningful. I can't focus on what Ruvain has or covet what he has because all that does is get me to focus on what I lack. But my job in life is not to focus on what I lack. Actually, if, I need, if I'm lacking things, I should work harder. If I'm lacking things, I should push myself more. But while I'm doing all of that, make sure to not spend all of your time focusing on what you lack and make sure to remain laser focused and appreciative on what you have. That's lesson one. Lesson two. The Baal Shem Tav HaKadosh says something absolutely amazing. I want to quote to you. He says, This last of the Aseret Zibros, this last of the Ten Commandments, has come to teach us, That literally, is the Tachlis. It is like, Tachlis literally means purpose. But it means almost as if it is the foundation. It is the most important, as if the Baal Shem is saying this, the most important, the Tachlis, the essence of all of the Ten Commandments is in Losach mode. What does this mean? Says the Baal of something absolutely amazing to teach us that the essence of the entire Torah is to love your fellow as you love yourself. What the Baal is saying is like this. You know, when you covet what someone else has, generally, it's not the pshat, that I, I go out of my house, I see Ruben's got a beautiful new car in his driveway, or he just he's putting on an addition on his house, and I say, wow, you know what? I'm so happy for Ruben. I just really want that also. I really want that car. I really want that house. I really want that marriage. I really want those kids. I, 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 really, I really want all of that. That's not generally how coveting unfolds. Generally, coveting unfolds is like this. I walk out of my house, and I see Ruben's car, his addition, his marriage, his kids, and I say, that guy, He's such a schnook. He's such a schlamazel. The guy is a nothing. He's an icevarf. Why does he have all of this stuff? He can't do anything right in life. The guy is mamish. Shivrei Kalim. He's nothing. He's nothing but me. 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 I'm, I'm a something. So if anyone's going to have brachas, shouldn't I have it? Why does that schlamazel have it? So what the Bashadav is saying is like this. When you covet, it's generally a fundamental erosion of your interpersonal relationships. I generally don't like the person I covet, not because he did anything wrong, but because part of the dynamic of coveting is, is, is really going through where he doesn't deserve it. He, I, I deserve it more 
than he does. Magia li, it's coming to me more. So the Hashem says something amazing. Do you know why Losachmod is number 10? And by the way, same idea, where the Torah goes through all of these, don't covet his house, his wife, his servant, his maidservant, his ox, his donkey, and everything else. Because the essence says the Baal Shem Tev of being a Jew is via hafta l'reacha kamocha, is to find the ability to love one another. To find the ability to love one another. So don't covet. Don't covet. Because the moment you covet what someone else has, it's almost for sure that you're not going to like that person. So don't covet. Don't covet. And I think this is incredibly important as well. I've been reflecting a lot, a little bit about being almost a year into the pandemic. And one of the things that I have seen personally that has been, I'm going to say heartbreaking, even, even more a little bit, even more than, well, not more than the pandemic, but another heartbreaking aspect of the pandemic is what I perceive to be sometimes a breakdown in interpersonal relationships, right? So if someone doesn't wear their mask like you, or someone doesn't social distance like you, and this goes both ways, by the way, right? This means someone is, you know, is wearing a mask and you don't believe in wearing a mask, or someone's not wearing a mask, you believe in a mask, you social distance six feet, they do social distance five feet. I've seen people tear into each other. People be nasty to one another. Now, of course, it's all for the sake of the greater good, or so they claim, right? It's for the sake of getting things back to normal on one side, or it's for the sake of going ahead and keeping everyone safe on the other side. You know, there's never a license for nastiness. In fact, I didn't even see in the CDC guidelines, I don't think that there's a provision for nastiness. There's never a provision for nastiness. In general, a person feels a certain situation is too safe, not too safe. Everybody has bechir chafshet. So we have free will where we go, what we do. But we have to re'acha kamocha. In the midst of a pandemic, the one thing we have to be so hyper-focused on is how we treat each other. We see what's happening now in Eretz Yisrael with the splintering. You're going to have two Jewish nations there's going to be a Haredi nation, uh, I guess like a Chardal nation, another nation, a Chiloni nation. Everything is about how we treat each other. And everything is about kamocha. Are we all going to have the same opinion? We never had the same opinion. We never did have the same opinion. We never will have the same opinion. There's always going to be differences of opinion. But when you have a difference of opinion, that's not a license to hate. That's not a license to look down. That's not a license to be condescending. Says the Baal Shem Tev HaKadosh, Lo Sechmod is the foundation. Listen, you, this is not Shmuel Silber making up these words. I'm going to quote you his words. Sheba lelamdenu shezer tachlis aseres hadibros. Lo Sechmod is the essence of the aseres hadibros, of the Ten Commandments. Vitachlison shekol hatorah kula. And it is the essence of the entire Torah. V'yahafta l'reacha Kamocha, this is it, the essence. This is reminiscent of the story of the convert who came to Hillel, right? You remember again, the outrageous guy who comes along and says, Hillel, teach me, teach me the entire Torah, I want to convert. Teach me everything while standing on one foot. And Hillel says, no problem. Whatever you don't want done to you, don't do unto your fellow. 
How could it be that in the midst of a pandemic, we're seeing an erosion? I, I know, and I don't mean this on, on everywhere. Chas shalom. I, I think Cloud Israel is wonderful. We love each other. But I personally have seen too many instances of relationship erosion, of standards, of communication fundamentally unraveling, of people just not being nice to each other. For what? Again, for legitimate things, I'm not at all. We have to, again, my personal shita, we have to be safe. We have to take the right steps. We have to follow medical guidance. In my mind, that's not a question. Not everybody agrees with that. That's fine. You're going to do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. But there has to be the ability to be nice. And there has to be the ability to love. And there has to be the ability to communicate. Because the entire essence of the Torah is via hafta l're'acha kamocha. Do we think that we will come out stronger from a pandemic if all we focus on are the external behaviors but our, int- but our, our national relationships begin to fray? That would be a true collateral damage of a pandemic. We're living in incredible times and as such it forces us to take stock of what we're doing, how we're living and how we're interacting with the other. The entire essence of the Torah is lo sachmot. The entire essence of the Torah is v'yahavta l're'acha kamoch. And finally, third lesson. The third lesson is by the Rebbe Rabbi Chil Michal of Zolotchev. And Rabbi Chil Michal says something so beautiful. He says, how could it be that the Torah commands me lo sachmot? Right? How could that be? Lo sachmot? How can you say such a thing like this? After all, again, remember, it's an emotion. It's an emotion, right? Remember, keep going, same, same example. I walk out of my house, I see Ruben in his driveway, I say, oh my gosh, I want that car, I want that house, I want that mishpach, or whatever it is. It's almost like a reflexive reaction. I don't, I don't walk out and say, okay, you know what, I've got nothing on my calendar today. Okay, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm gonna do it. It, it just happens. In fact, I'll tell you something interesting. Whenever the Torah speaks about emotion, for example, by love your fellow, like, I'm sorry, love Hashem. See, even Rashi says there, it means do the mitzvahs like you love Hashem. Rashi understands to love Hashem is not an emotional commandment because you can't legislate emotion. You can legislate behaviors. So when you serve HaKadosh Baruch, you serve Hashem in a way that makes it look like you love him. So asks Rabbi Chimuchel of Zalachov, so how could HaKadosh Baruch Hu command me not to go ahead and be jealous of someone? After all, again, that's something I can't control. It's automatic. It just happens. Now, what I do have control over is after I have those feelings, I can say, no, I'm not that person. I don't want to be that person, and therefore I'm going to push it out. I'm going to push it out. I just, I just don't want any piece of it anymore. But says that is something so amazing. He said, you're right. He said, Lo Sachmod, I'm going to quote to you his words, just one phrase. Lo Sachmod, Hugam Haftacha. Lo Sachmod is not simply a commandment. It's not simply an obligation. It's a promise. Or in other words, says the Rebbe so beautifully that if I follow the previous nine Dibros, the effect, the effect, or the, the outcome of following the first nine Dibros is I will not covet. So what the Rebbe is saying is something so profound. Not coveting what someone else has, which if we take the two previous approaches, finding happiness in what I have and not focusing on what I lack. 
and finding the ability to love every Jew, even if I vehemently disagree with them. That is a, a result of following the first nine Dibros. In other words, if I spiritually refine myself by going through the list, pledging my allegiance to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not serving other gods, keeping Shabbos, honoring my parents, all, all, all the, all the, again, I'm not going to do all the time, the, the, whole, the whole list, the result is I will not covet what someone else has. Or what the Rebbe is really saying to us is as follows. Sometimes, if you want to be a person of a particular disposition, you have to engage in a healthy diet of ruchnius, in a healthy diet of spirituality. Because when you have spirituality in your life, it creates an essence of your persona, it creates an identity. You know, we sometimes become focused on, you know, result. Like, I, I daven because I need things. I learn because there's an obligation to be koveit in the Torah, to go ahead and set aside time to learn. I give tzedakah because I want to help other people. And all true, all true. But we often miss one very important point, which is we engage in spiritual endeavors because every spiritual thing that I do refines the person who I am. I become a better person when I daven. I become a better person when I learn. And I become a better person when I do chesed. It's true, all of these things have utilitarian purposes as well. I need things. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please help me. I want to know what to do as a Jew. I have to learn Torah. There are people in need. I'm going to give tzedakah. But on a global level, when I engage in these behaviors, they fundamentally change who I am. You know, sometimes in life we come to a point, we say to ourselves, I want to change. But then we're not sure how to change. You know, the easiest answer is immerse yourself in Ruchnius. Immerse yourself in spiritual endeavors. Daven with more kavanah. Learn with greater intensity. Be more charitable. Be more giving and kind. And that has a cathartic effect on who and what you are. So says Rabbi Chil of Zalachav, it could very well be that if you look at Losachmor or something I have to do, then all these questions, how can I control how I feel when I walk out of my house and I see Reuven in his driveway? But therefore the Rebbe says it's not just simply a command, it's a haftacha. That if I engage in the proper regimen of spiritual activity, if I surround myself with proper influences and carve out time in my day for proper spiritual infusions, then I will become the kind of person who will not covet then I'll become the kind of person who will be happy with what I have, focus on what I have, not on what I lack, and I'll become the kind of person, ultimately, who's able to love every Jew. So it turns out that the last of Yasser Sadebros, which, at least for me, has always been the most difficult to comprehend, teaches us such an incredible lesson, and we'll work backwards. That if I go ahead and I immerse myself in a life of spirituality, and I want to be clear, Immersing myself in a life of spirituality doesn't mean I'm quitting my day job and sitting and learning the whole day. Look, if you could do that, great, and let me know how I could do that as well. I'd love to. That's not, that does not do what it means. What, what, what it means is that I find time in my day to infuse. Like, like now we're all getting vaccinated, Amir Tzashem. Hopefully over the next couple of months we'll all have that opportunity. You have to vaccinate yourself spiritually as well. To go ahead and literally give yourself a spiritual booster shot. That's davening, that's learning, that's chesed. If I go ahead and I engage in those things on a consistent daily basis, 
I will refine my character. And as I refine my character, one of the ways in which that character refinement manifests itself is I won't covet. But in addition to that, not only will I not covet, I'll be able to focus on what I have and not always focus on what I lack. And second of all, I'll be able to become the kind of person who is able to love every Jew, even the ones I don't agree with. Wishing everyone a good Nerev Shabbos and a beautiful Shabbos Kodesh.